Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Would you open your Bibles, uh, if you would, to Genesis? We're going to be in the book of Genesis in just a moment. And while you're turning to the book of Genesis, let me tell you that God is like clockwork. Okay? God is dependable. We are in a time right now in which God is blessing us with an opportunity. We are in a time of life, in a season of life, that you have opportunities right now that you may not have in the future. And while you have these opportunities, it's important to take advantage of them. You know, there are some things that we can do in seasons of life that no other season allows us to take advantage of those times. And... uh, Uh, While you're turning to Genesis chapter 8, by the way, allow allow me to let you uh, uh, hear from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible says, To everything there is a season, there is a time for every purpose under heaven. Have you noticed that it's getting a little colder outside? Have you noticed that? Yeah, just a little colder. And it's supposed to pick up. In fact, the wind's blowing out there right now. And it's supposed to pick up a little bit and blow a little northerly wind in here. And tonight it's supposed to get a, even a little colder. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm excited about that. Are you guys excited about that? I happen to like a little cold weather. But it's just like clockwork. What else did we expect? We should expect that there is a season for every purpose under heaven. And that there is a season and a reason for things getting colder. You see, God ordered the earth in which we live. He ordered this earth to be a habitable planet. We're not just a rock spinning in space. We have to be a very unique rock. The abundance of everything that we need is all around us. We live on an inhabitable planet in an otherwise very hostile universe. Our galaxy, as far as we know, uh, uh, is, is not necessarily filled with a lot of places we could live. But here on planet Earth, God has ordered this Earth to yield its fruit to us in certain seasons. God has ordered it to cooperate with us. And, you know, even with a minimum of effort, in fact, sometimes no effort at all, You know, uh, this year in my backyard, we had watermelons. Why? Because they grew. We didn't plant them. We don't even know where they came from. But watermelons grew and vines grew out to, you know, 25 feet or so. Out in our backyard, we had vines. You couldn't even walk in the backyard. And we picked melons and we ate melons. And we didn't do a thing except just being a recipient of the plan of God, of the purpose of God, of God saying to the earth that it would bring forth and bud and provide for us a Abundance is everywhere, providing you know the seasons of God. You see, God has a greater plan, and His purpose is to make sure that we are taken care of and taken care of abundantly. Uh, The eighth chapter of the book of Genesis tells us that after God brought Noah out of the ark... 
Noah and his family had experienced a flood. It was tragic. It was traumatic. Can you imagine how, how uh, concerned, how afraid perhaps that Noah and his family might have been that this flood was going to happen again? So God makes Noah a promise. Why? Because God wants Noah to feel secure. God wants you to feel secure. God wanted Noah to be prepared. God wants you to be prepared. So a part of the promise of God to Noah was that I'm not going to destroy the earth anymore by flood. Don't you know that this was, this was a weight off of Noah's mind? It was a real weight because, my goodness, if this can happen, it can happen again. And many times we were concerned that the tragedy, the trauma, the difficulty we went through might, you know, how do we, how do we go through life with those things looming in our future? The Bible says that if a farmer observes the clouds too much, he will not plant and if he does not plant, he will not reap. You know, sometimes there is a caution and a concern. And there is a difference between fear and wisdom. Okay, But we should not live our lives in fear. But we should know that God intends for us to be prepared. In fact, before God allowed the flood, he told Noah what to do to get ready for it. A part of the promise of God in Genesis chapter 8 is found in verse 22. The promise of God says this. Listen to what God told Noah. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Well, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. This is like clockwork. In fact, it is God's clockwork. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and you may not want to hear this, but, but it's important because it is the Word of God that wintertime is a part of normal life. Winter and wintertime, the fact that it's getting colder outside, is a part of normal life. God wanted Noah and his family to understand that, that I'm, I'm not going to flood the earth again and destroy the earth like that again, but I do want you to know that as long as the earth remains, you're going to experience some seasonal changes, that life is going to afford you some opportunities to experience time to plant and a time to reap. You're going to experience some daytimes and some nighttimes, some bright times and some dark times. You're going to experience sometimes when you're cold, and you're going to experience some seasons when you're hot. You know, those are just natural occurrences. There will be winter and there will be summer. Wow. You know, three days ago, we celebrated our annual Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, uh, if, if you were in the United States of America, you probably at some point smelled sage and celery. You know, <laughs> it was certainly uh, blowing through the South, okay? We had, you know, I think in our house we had three types of dressings, you know, and we had turkey and we had ham and we had sweet potatoes and we had, uh, you know, um, um, coconut pie and apple pie and buttermilk pie and uh, I, I, I forget what all the other 
We had so much laid out that it, it was amazing. And what we were doing is we were celebrating like the same celebration that was going on, you know, whether you were in, you know, uh, uh, an army chow hall or perhaps, you know, uh, you were in, 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 in a homeless shelter. You know, wherever you were in America, most likely you knew it was Thanksgiving. You know, nursing homes, uh, hospitals, you know, church socials, uh, you know, um, from mansions, you know, to, to the streets. People knew it was Thanksgiving. America was celebrating an event that happened in the fall of 1621. We were looking back on a New England moment. Most people had it in their mind. You know, perhaps they even had pictures of it in their house or, you know, uh, of, of, of this New England, these pilgrims that in the fall of 1621, they had a celebration. If you happened to recall history, you know generally what happened. Okay? In the year before, in about September of 1620, there was 102 passengers boarded a ship called the Mayflower in the town of Plymouth in England. And they sailed, those 102 passengers, along with the crew, sailed from Plymouth, England, all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. It took them 65 days. 66 days they were where they wanted to be. And then somewhere in that moment, they decided that they needed to make an agreement. You know, those of you that are in elementary school still, you know, or perhaps a, a middle school, you remember the Mayflower Compact. You probably studied it this year, where these 66 strangers and these 44 saints got together and agreed to call themselves pilgrims. And they agreed of, as to how they were going to live when they got off the boat and how they were going to create community and that they were going to accept one another and that they were going to build, you know, together. And so, you know, they got off the ship and they got off at Plymouth Rock. They left Plymouth and they got off at Plymouth Rock, New England, you know. And there, uh, you know, uh, it was December, the middle of December. Now, let me ask you guys, do you know how cold it is in Massachusetts in December? Some of you do. Some of you have never left southeast Texas, and you, you imagine our cold is cold. Our cold is not cold. Okay. You know how cold it is in Massachusetts in December? Well, let me put this in your mind. Take away your house. Put yourself in Massachusetts in December. Take away your house. Add to this the fact that you have to hunt for everything you're going to eat in a place that you've never been before. Add to this that it's probably going to rain a little bit and you have to cook over an open fire. You get in the picture? That's why. When they got off the boat in December of 1620, by the time January 1621, February, March 1621, and things were warming up and springtime was here, that's why there were less than 50 of those original 100 pilgrims left. Less than 50. 
survived that first winter. Those were real people who had given up everything they had. They believed they had been called by God. They believed that they were on a mission by God to a new land that He was going to give them straight out of the Exodus in the Bible. They even imagined that the language in this new land was going to be Hebrew. That's how closely connected they were to what the call of God was on their life and why they were willing to risk everything they had. But less than 50 of them survived. We get to April, May, June, July, August, September. We get into October. And these pilgrims that had been left, they were seeing a new day. And so there in the fall of 1621, they decided they were going to have what we look back on as that first New England traditional Thanksgiving. Okay? It was not the first Thanksgiving in the United States, by the way. I don't want to pop your bubble, but I did a documentary on it. It was in Texas in 1598, but we'll go there later. Okay? <laughs> but New England, 1621, the pilgrims are celebrating. Why were they celebrating? Because they were thankful. That year, the pilgrims were thankful because they were prepared for the next winter. That's why they were so happy and celebratory. They were happy because they were prepared. They were happy because they were ready for the next winter. Wow. How did they know winter was coming? Well, they had read the Bible. <laughs> they had had their eyes open for a few years. They know that as long as the earth remains, winter is coming. But guess what? <laughs> you know, they're prepared. Winter demands respect. There are a lot of times in our life and seasons in our life, and the Bible speaks to us not only of, of Noah getting off of a boat, but, but in the volume of the Word of God, we are encouraged to understand that wintertime is a part of normal life, and wintertime demands respect. And it's not just the winter of cold weather, it's the winter of our lives at times. Whenever we find ourselves in a cold season of our life, it looks as though uh, at, at, at some times that, that we can plant and things grow. But at other times in our life, no matter what we do, it seems like nothing is happening. Have you ever had one of those winter times in your life? When despite your efforts, when despite doing everything you can do, it's just not happening. You know, Jesus respected winter. He was having a private conversation with his disciples 
on the Mount of Olives. There were four disciples there. You can read about it in Mark 13. There was, there was Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And Jesus said this to them about the end times. Whenever the end time happens, whenever you see these things happening, verse 18 Pray that your flight may not be in winter. Why? Because in wintertime, it's harder to do things. In wintertime, it makes it more difficult. Pray that whenever you have to travel, that it's not in the middle of the winter. I mean, even Jesus recognized this. The Apostle Paul had respect for winter. When the Apostle Paul was in prison, he wrote... uh, 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 to Timothy and this is what he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 he said bring the cloak the coat that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come and the books especially the parchments verse 21 he said and do your utmost to get here before I get too cold (laughs) bring my coat go by Troas and pick up my cloak and some other stuff, but make sure, you know, oh, I hope you get here before winter because it's cold in this prison in wintertime. Not every place that the Apostle Paul went was considered a good place to be during the winter. In, in Acts, the 22nd chapter, uh, verse 12, the Bible says, And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, not every place is suitable to winter in. I mean, this, this is just Bible. Okay? The majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest, and winter there. There are some places you had rather be in the winter than be in other places. The Apostle Paul uh, did not expect that he would be able to do in the wintertime what he was able to do in the summertime. He didn't expect that. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 6. And it may be well, he writes to the church in Corinth, that I remain with you or even spend the winter with you that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Listen, it might be best whenever I come by there that I go ahead and stay all winter. Because why? Because everybody knows that it's, you can't do the same things in the winter that you do in the summertime. And when I get ready to go, you can help me, but it may be that I need to winter with you. Winter demands respect. But thankfully, winter won't last forever. And this is something we need to keep in mind. In the winter times of life, in the difficult seasons of life, The darkness won't last forever. The day will come. The morning will come. Our job, just like it was with Noah, just like it was with the pilgrims, our hope and God's hope in our lives, not just for us, but for even the animals and the insects, is that they would be prepared for winter. Have you ever read Proverbs 6? Verse 6 says, go to the ant, you lazy person. (laughs) Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. There are seasons when we can do things that we cannot do in other seasons. There are seasons, and we need need to pay respect to the seasons of life. And I'm not just talking about summer and winter. I'm talking about the seasons of life that we are in. There are seasons of life that we need to pay respect to. 
There are uh, opportunities which we have in some days that we will not have in other days. We need to take advantage of those. Why are we discussing this? Well, I, I, I want to be just very plain with you because winter is coming. Winter is coming. You know, Jesus said, you know, in this world you will have tribulation. Why am I telling you this? I want you to be prepared. You know, whether it's, whether it's the cold, please be prepared for the cold this year. Or whether, whether it's something in our future that we need to make sure that we have enough to last us. Enough what? Enough fruit. What kind of fruit? I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about the necessity for us to have love, not just in times when love is easy. Joy, not just in times when joy is all around us. I'm not talking about being happy at party time. I'm talking about having enough joy in our life, enough fruit, enough Jesus in our life, having enough patience, having enough uh, you know, uh, gentleness and goodness and kindness and meekness so that if situations present themselves in life, we can carry through and be a supply even for others in their times of need. You know those pilgrims? You know, they were happy for one reason. It's because they were prepared for the next winter, and they knew how bad winters could be. But not only were they prepared for themselves that winter, they were also prepared for all of those ships and all of those new people that would be coming so they could be a supply for others who did not prepare for their winter. It's important that we have enough love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and gentleness that will sustain us through a difficult day, that will sustain us through a tribulation, a test, a trial, that we have enough built up, enough resilience, enough strength, enough hope, enough courage to last us through difficult times. For if we don't, we could find ourselves among those things that perish in the difficult winters. Nothing is too difficult if you're prepared for it. It's important to store up for the winter. Let me give you three things in closing here that I believe are important. Number one, wire yourself for winter. Okay, Realize winter is coming, but it won't last forever, so wire yourself with the mentality that I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am well able. I am a child of God. I, I am filled with His Holy Spirit. I have sowed the seeds of, of righteousness in the earth in the days when it was easy, in the days when I could, in the days when I was happy. I gave mercy in days that it was easy to give mercy. I was kind in days that it was easy to be kind. I sowed my seeds. The Bible says, He who is merciful shall receive mercy. God will take care of us in our difficult times if we will make sure we don't forget him in the good times. I'm telling you this because I believe there are good times in our moment. I believe we are in a good season. I'm not telling you this because I believe we're in a winter time and, and woe is us and we better watch out. I'm telling you that we are in a good time. It's a good season of our life. This is a good day. 
things are going well. Generally, for you in America, things are okay. Not everyone in the world is experiencing a good time. Some people are in a winter time. Some people are in a difficult moment, like the Apostle Paul, when he was shipwrecked and his ship tore apart. He was in a difficult moment, but the people on the island, they were in the middle of a rescue operation. They were happy. They were excited. They were going to have visitors for, for winter, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, Paul was not wanting to be there. But he made the best of it. What did he do? He got off the boat and he began preaching and teaching and healing people. Wire yourself for winter. Don't quit in the winter. Don't die in the winter. This is the day the Lord has made. Whatever day you wake up, it's the day the Lord has made. You have sown seeds. You have gathered the harvest. Please. You, you're more prepared for the difficult moments of life than you give yourself credit. Don't let the winter rob you of life. Just because a tree has no leaves on it does not mean the beauty's gone. It does not mean it's dead. Don't allow winter times, the difficult times, to depress you so that you end up quitting, dying, drying up. Number two, I encourage you to learn to conserve. I want to encourage you to to. to to look around, take an inventory of your life, find your strengths, and be willing to conserve a little bit. Uh, complete a critical review of your life and trim your ship. Winter time is a natural time for some things to die. And if there are difficult moments in your life, look at your life and see those things that need to be pruned in your life. Maybe your attitudes, your actions. Find yourself. In a better shape come the spring than you were when winter began. When the fires of life try us, I call them the molten moments of life. When the fire tries us, impurities will surface. Impurities will rise to the top. It's a part of the, 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 the process of refinement. And when impurities rise in your life during those difficult times, ladle off those impurities. Get those impurities out of your life. It's no time to start throwing trash into the molten moments of life. It's no time to, to start adding to the problem. It's no time to start you know, uh, 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 creating more impurities in your life. Because you will solidify again. And you will be in whatever mold you pour yourself into. You know, the cold will come. The heat will be over. You know, the daylight will come. The night will be over. Summer will come. The winter will be over. And you'll be left in whatever mold you have poured yourself in. Number three. Realize not everyone feels like you do. Some people are having a winter time today and you're in the middle of just a great harvest time. Some people are in the middle of a harvest time and you're in a difficult moment. Realize that not everyone is just like you. Realize that there are things that are going on in your life that may not be going on everywhere else. And just because someone else is having a difficult time doesn't mean that, you know, that they didn't prepare. 
Sometimes when families come to me and say, you know, my son or my daughter is acting up and, and they're doing this, that, and the other thing, and the parent says, you know, it's got to be my fault. I didn't raise them right, I guess. Uh, you know, sometimes that's true. But many times what I say to them is this. Who was Adam and Eve's daddy? Who was Adam and Eve's parent? Sometimes the devil is just chasing people. I want to encourage you to be prepared. Be prepared for your winter and have enough fruit of the Spirit in your life that you can not only weather a winter storm, but you can be a supply for others. Today I came here with also a hope that you would let me pray for you. I want to pray that the devil takes his hands off your life. I was late coming out during praise and worship because I was in the green room praying. I was praying, Lord, I ask you to grant me the grace today and the power today to bind those demon spirits who are trying to rob your people, who are trying to give them such a hard time that they quit. I believe that God has given us power. The scriptures he gave me is to heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, and cast out devils. I walked out of that room believing that God would grant me the power to command every foul spirit that's been pursuing you and chasing you and haunting you, wanting to hurt you and rob from you, to flee. Even though they come out against you one way, they'll flee before you seven ways. All that God's asking is you pay some respect Difficult times will come, Jesus said. Take the good time that you have and get close to God in the good times. You'll need Him and others will need Him in the days to come. If you'll allow me, while you sit right there and while you listen, I'm going to pray over you there's no distance in the Spirit. I'm well aware that God can work right through that distance. And that angels on assignment will drive every foul spirit, every prince of darkness, every power, every wicked and evil spirit. I'll command them to leave you, leave your family alone. Every addiction, every foul and sinful desire will go in the name of Jesus. God wants to set you free. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, do it now. Just say, Jesus, come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Just simply say that. Jesus, come in. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Would you, would you accept my prayer right now? Father, we need to be prepared, Lord. We need to be prepared, Lord, for days to come, Father. Lord, in these good days, Lord, teach us what to do. In the days before the rain, you helped Noah 
to gather what he needed and to build a safe ark to the salvation of him and his family, Lord. God, you helped the pilgrims, Lord. You sent messengers to them. You sent people to help and to teach them, Lord. They worked. They took advantage, Lord. And they celebrated because they were prepared. They thanked you, Lord, that you gave them warning. Lord, we, sir, we want to be prepared for the days to come, Lord. Not only for ourselves, but for others. And we know, Lord, that the devil would love, Lord, to have made the pilgrims quit and go home, Lord. God, the the devil would love to have shamed Noah, Lord, to have made him such a societal outcast that he would have stopped and quit, Lord, and not been prepared, Lord. God, you've, you've, you've told us, Lord, that summer and winter, day and night, cold and heat, seed time and harvest are a part of our lives. God, we want to be prepared, Lord. God, right now, sir, I ask you, Father to send angels on assignment, Lord, throughout our congregation here on campus, Lord. And, Lord, into the lives, in the homes, Lord, in the businesses, the offices, God. Lord, into the classrooms, Lord, into the vehicles, God. Lord, into every place that people are listening right now. Whenever they are listening, God, Lord, I pray for angels on assignment that this prayer, Lord, would activate, Lord, and would send, God, a message from heaven, Lord. I bind every fact spirit every evil demon every desire of the devil I bind you in the name of Jesus with the authority God has given us over demons over darkness over spiritual wickedness in heavenly places Lord over serpents Lord and scorpions Lord over every foul attack of the enemy I bind Satan and his desires over every family over their children their grandchildren their finances and their future in the name of Jesus, Lord. Send angels and break, Lord, that yoke, Lord. Destroy it because of the anointing. God, we believe that the devil has no power against your word, Lord. The devil has no power against the blood of Jesus Christ. The devil has no power against the faith of a born-again believer who knows, Lord, that the word is not God. Just empower, Lord, of, of, of the life, Lord, but rather in power of your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, sir, for delivering every person from every addiction, Lord, from every desire of the devil, Lord, from addiction to pornography, addiction, Lord, to drugs and alcohol, Lord, addiction to fear and worry, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for healings and miracles, God. I thank you, Father, Lord, that that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, Lord, that dwells in us, God, would rise up, Lord, and impact, Lord, the earth. God, that a light would shine from our lives, a light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus, and Lord, would create a flood, Father, through our communities, Lord, through our families, God, through our nation and this generation, Lord. I pray for people, Lord, who right now sit, Lord, in a decision, Lord, in a decision-making place, would find light coming to them, God, courage 
and boldness. Act in the name of Jesus. I speak in the name of Jesus. Act. Don't sit back in cowardness. Don't sit back in fear. Don't sit back in worry. But act. Go forward. Plant your seeds in this seed time. Plant your seeds, says the Lord, and see if I will not bring a harvest in your day. See if I will not respond, says the Lord, for I have commanded the earth to respond. I am releasing blessing in the earth and blessing on my people. Let joy again. Let peace again. Let prosperity again be something in your household that you lift up the name of Jesus and watch my flood wash away the enemies of your soul. God, I thank you, Father, Lord, for your words to take root, Lord, and bear fruit in the lives of your children. God, I thank you, Father, for the darkness to be pulled away from people's eyes, Lord. The deception, Father, to be pulled, Lord, away so that people can see clearly, Lord. Bless our nation, God. We are a thankful nation, Lord. Rid us of the evil powers that have tried to command our nation, Lord, that have tried to bring us down into a pit of darkness. Oh, God, restore us, oh, God, Father, to your faithful nation that takes the gospel of Christ and the peace and the joy of the living God to all the world, Lord. Baptize us fresh with your Holy Spirit, God. Send, Lord, a fresh fire into our hearts, God. Lord, let us open our mouth and prophesy our future by the dream that is in our heart, Lord. Lift us up above the shadows, sir. And Lord, fill us, God, with the power of the Holy Spirit so that demons tremble, Lord, when we walk into a room so that witchcraft no longer prospers, so that incantations have no root in our lives, and so that demons cannot direct our nation's political process. Oh God, deliver us by your Holy Spirit. Keep us strong and make us, Lord, into a powerful force in the earth. Bless the church and the churches, Lord, of our community, our state, and our nation, Lord. Bless us, O oh God, and make us a powerful force in the earth to be reckoned with, Lord. Those that know their God, Lord, are mighty, Lord, and do exploit in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 Take your power seriously. Okay? There's a light in you. There is a light in you. There's a force in you. Okay? Winter's coming. Be prepared. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.